You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 72 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm sitting here in Cebu in the Philippines again for another part of Gina and Val's excellent adventure with the one and only Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? Oh, great, Val. It's been an awesome day. We had a day yes. off today. It's our um, last day. In the a day off where we worked for half the day, you mean? Well... Yeah, but it was a day <laughs> off compared to what we've been doing. That wasn't the grueling schedule that we've yes. had every other day. So it was like we've only done like a couple of things today, but there's yes. been like little breaks. So I've just um, had uh, an hour where I went down and I swam with Nemo. Oh, and really? his cousin Nemo and his other cousin <laughs> Nemo and all the little Nemos. There was about a thousand, not the same colour as Nemo in that movie. So not really Nemo. Well, you know... Kind of, but mm. it was very, very pretty. And there was this, there was this one massive fish, like um, uh, about I don't know, three foot long. That was <laughs> Gina goes three foot long, and she's actually indicating twenty centimeters <laughs> next to me. He was big. That's you know, the one that got away. He was um, bright turquoise, like, and oh, almost wow. to the to the point where I thought, I wonder if he's that bright because he might be a poisonous fish. You mm. know how they warn the other fish. Oh. But he was a very pretty fish. He was like a rock star fish. Oh, and a... all the other fish hung around. And then there was all the little Nemos that weren't the same colour, but that they had that Nemo look about them. Right. There was thousands of them. A shame you didn't have an underwater camera with you. So I did this great hack the other morning. Because every morning I've been getting up at dawn, Val, mm. and um, going out and getting a swim in before we start the day because, like, look where we are. It's amazing and yeah. I, can't, I can't miss out on that swim. And so what I did one morning is um, at the, I got the guys at the bar on the beach to give me a, um, a container that they keep all the sugar in, a plastic container. Oh, yes. And I put my iPhone in it oh. and put it into the water just under the surface so I could get a um, – part underwater, part above water shot with my iPhone. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. It was fun. It's like, it's risky. Why? Because your well, phone just, can drop well, in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and you can get cheaper um, iPhone, like you can get uh, plastic cases that protect your iPhone so you can make them into an underwater camera, but I'm, I'm sort of a bit iffy about those as well. So it's just a bit of fun. Yeah. You need a longer thing so that you can put the longer sort of container so you could put the iPhone in under underwater. Yeah, ideally like a, even a soft drink container, yeah. like a two-litre container that you could kind of put it in and um, and then you could, yeah. Cut that the top off. Yeah. Mm. Well, this week's topic is inspired by our location and it's called Tropical Island Photography in Exotic Locations. So uh, I'm keen to get stuck into that. But before we do that, we've got a couple of shout-outs, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yep. The first one is to the awesome Facebook community. So if you haven't checked out the Facebook community, it's free to join. All you need to do is search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and join. We had a lot of fun while we were here in Cebu. We actually did a Facebook Live for the first time, didn't we? <laughs> we did a test. We did a test. Which someone <laughs> said reminded them of when his nonna and his mum were learning to use Skype for the first time. That's what the... <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it was. Our attempt. Are we on? Is this working? Uh, it's so professional. Uh, and, and the and the second one we did, the actual live one we did, I think probably looked just as professional. <laughs> so the test was just a couple of minutes to see whether it would actually work. So we knew what we were actually looking at. But yeah, we recently did the actual 
Facebook Live um, broadcast and a whole heap of people came on. So many people. Thank you so much for everyone who joined. It was great to have your questions and your comments and seeing them live and interacting with you live. And we were able to show some examples of um, how to find good light and how to find garage lighting and also take questions about um, a whole range of different things, including what you brought in your kit mm. and um, how to how to shoot in various situations. And um, it's, uh, it's available. The replay is still available. Well, I think it just stays there in yeah. the group. So the replay is available for you. you we're so <laughs> <laughs> experts. Our at professionalism this. just lasts for eternity, Val. Yeah, yeah uh, preserved. Uh, yeah, we've got real expertise in Facebook Live. But anyway, the replay <laughs> is available in the group if you'd like to check out what it's like here in Cebu in the Philippines and also um, have a look at the chat that uh, Gina and I did. Well, it's not a chat. It was it was a live video. We answered questions too, Val. Yeah, it was good. Know? And you in, in, educated everyone on Take the... Bread on cake bread, which is what Gina's called the bread here in the Philippines. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mm. love the cake bread. I've got to get off the cake bread. Though, yeah, me Val. too. It's not a good thing. I know. I think I've eaten too much cake yeah, bread. Yeah, yeah. But we also have some shout-outs to a few people who have done some amazing things with um, your presets, right? Your Lightroom presets. Well, yeah. So William Keylor actually uh, did an amazing shot. Amazing. Amazing. We'll at, put the image in the show notes, which you'll find at ginamilitia.com. Um, at uh, the Rosini Festival in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, he's got a guy, he's shot a guy uh, tattooed up who is, what do you reckon he's cutting up there? Potato spuds, yeah. Mm. Um, so he's got full sleeves. And, uh, like, it's just the perfect location Ugh. for the True Grit uh, preset. And uh, the, the shot looks amazing. But what I really love, Val, about the Facebook community mm. is how uh, supportive everyone is mm. of each other. And, like, if you post a photo in there, um, not only will you and I uh, put our 20 cents worth on the shop, but, like, everyone in the community gets in and it's a really positive and supportive place. So once William posted this shot, it was a full-body shot. Um, mm. Rebecca got on and just suggested that, ha, ha, like, love the shot. How, how, how do you feel about making it a three-quarter crop and just bringing in the detail closer? So William's done that, and I think it looks great. And that's just mm. an example of what goes on in the Facebook group and some of the supportive sharing that happens there, which I really love. So... so such a crisp and gorgeous shot. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love how um, William's taken his shot and applied your Lightroom preset to it. Yep. Um, for those of you who aren't on Gina's newsletter, make sure you get onto it because every month Gina gives away free Lightroom presets and they're only available to people in the newsletter. Also, for people who are in the gold community at ginamilitia.com, now that's different to the Facebook group, but if you go to ginamilitia.com and look at the gold community, all of the awesome people in the gold community also get a whole heap of um, complimentary Lightroom presets that you can apply to all of your work as well. I love seeing my presets in the wild, Val. Yeah, it is. Does it make you proud? It, it does like... make me proud. It makes me so proud to see them. Like it's one thing to how they behave with your own photos, <laughs> but how they behave with other people's photos behind my back, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's when I know that I'm, I'm like that, that they're behaving and doing that. They're the ready right to things, get out in the world. That they're ready to be like released yes. to the wild. So okay. it's, it's really cool. <laughs> so we have a photo critique for Sunny Israel. And we'll put the image in the show notes and it's this great image um, taken like at a karate class of a girl breaking a board and the board is being held by two you know, boofy men and another man behind them supporting them. So three men are, are, are holding this board that this girl is breaking with her foot through, you know, like a sidekick or something. And Sunny has said... Girl or a guy, we're not sure. Yeah, girl, could... We can't see the front. Okay, could be like a girl or a guy. Long hair is the trigger, long hair tied back, but it could be a guy. Yes, it could be a guy, sorry. So it could be a girl or a guy with long hair. So I generally... Sunny says, I generally shoot my kiddos and friends at their various sports activities. Yep. This is from last night at martial arts belt testing. The light was dismal, as you might imagine. Um, my settings were one one hundred one. One hundredth of a second, yeah. f three point five, ISO four hundred with my Olympus E five ten. It's not as sharp as I'd like, but I might have been a little excited. Yeah. <laughs> Gentle constructive critiquing 
would be appreciated. So Gina, why don't you discuss this shot? So I know the exact lighting that you're talking about, Sunny, in these situations because I was doing uh, a similar shot not long ago where I had uh, a lot of martial arts uh, competitors and uh, people training and I was shooting them and it's like it's fluoro lighting. It's not, it's not, it's not sexy lighting, Val. Mm. And so, um, but the thing is you've got this action shot um, and I'm assuming it, it's either your son or daughter. It's ha really hard to tell from, from the behind who has managed, like he's got the shot mm. at the exact moment. Exact moment. That the, 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 I, do you, can you do this, Val? No. Where you kick and like, this no, is what I've I imagine you this. doing this at cage boxing. You cage know, boxing? What's it called that what you do? Cage boxing. What's it called? Cage fighting. Cage fighting. <laughs> like, at that exact moment where the, the wood, the, the timber is being split by the kick, it's just amazing. So you've got yeah. the expression on the guy holding the, the wood. You've got the, the, the power in the kick. Everything is amazing. And, and so if it's a little bit out of focus, I think it's perfectly fine because it's captured the emotion of mm. the shot. And uh, it's one thing you'd rather have grain, a little bit of grain and a little bit of movement because that actually um, adds to the power of the shot yeah. and uh, gives it that sense of movement and that sense of action and that sense of real life. So, you know, if had this have been perfectly exposed, perfectly sharp, you know, it still would have been a good shot. But I think it's the little bit of movement, the fact that it's a little bit out, it makes this shot. Yeah, and I think the intensity on the faces of the men who are holding the ball yes. is just awesome. And also there's a little kid in the background who's peering over, just looking mesmerised that somebody is breaking this quite thick board with their feet. And, and it's just, it just tells a great little story. Well, what you've got here is uh, it, all the eyes draw you straight away to the piece of timber. That's the first place you look because everyone is looking to this spot. Yeah. The kick is going there. The guys that are holding the timber are looking there. The guy behind is looking there. The little boy is looking there. Everyone is drawn to this spot and that's what makes it uh, so amazing. Maybe one thing that I would do to this shot is yeah. I'd probably possibly consider converting it to black and white, yeah. just to um, just to really focus on on what's important, which is what's going on. The hero of the shot, I, I probably would, and I think that would make it um, even stronger than it already it's is. It's true because the uniforms are white and, and and or black. Yeah. So the main people are in black and white anyway, and yeah. there is sort of some red painting on the walls, some blue mat matting and it does distract it just a tiny bit and also the people in the audience are wearing various colours. So I agree with you. I think that perhaps if it was in black and white, it would be just that tiny bit less distracting from the hero image, from yep. the hero part of it. But pretty awesome. Yeah, image. pretty awesome, Sunny. Well done. Yeah. Some shout-outs also to some awesome people who have left us five-star iTunes reviews. Thank you so much, Chow Chow, who has said entertaining, engaging, insightful and most of all, Practical. We do aim to be practical. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yep. Chow Chow says, love their sense of humour, how they engage their listeners and break down topics to digestible chunks. Two thumbs up. Mm. Thank you, Chow thank Chow. Thank you. Also, big thank you to Sharon Ryan, who has said, so, so good. Wow, I didn't expect to find such a great podcast on photography. Gina, Militia and Valerie Koo deliver great info in real person terms. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. kind of real people. <laughs> we don't know how to explain it otherwise. Um, uh, Sharon continues, giving us insight into a professional photographer's life, mind and workflow. So informative, educational, funny and down to earth. Thanks, ladies. Oh, that's awesome. Thank, Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. That's so cool. Yeah, very cool. Really appreciate it. And if you do have 30 seconds to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, we'd be eternally grateful because it really helps us in the yep. rankings and we can bring more of these podcasts yes. to you. So let's move on to this week's topic, which we've called Tropical Island Photography in Exotic Locations. I mean, we're here in Cebu, in the Philippines, mm. and it's been great. Like, we've been here, we're, we're at, in total, our trip's going to be nine days, mm. and um, there's just, it's really hot. Well, not <laughs> in here, Val. I don't like the aircon on at this temperature. I don't like it. I oh, but, we have to but we yeah, have but to record really our cold. podcast in aircon. It's really cold. Okay, well, why don't you put on a jumper? I saw a hoodie over there. <laughs> How about we start off with... What gear did you bring? Because I think that that is pretty important. 
You don't have, you can't run back to your studio. Yep. You can't just grab that light yep. or that boom. You have to have everything yep. right here in this hotel room. Not only that, you have to carry it on the plane and get yes. it accepted get it past, on the plane. Get it through. So yeah. talk so, us so through I that. So I thought about this carefully. So um, did my, you write a list? I did. I really, I really carefully considered what I was going to bring. So my last trip, there's another. Um, Fire alert! <laughs> Is there? I hope not. People out in the corridor. I think there's some loud. people, yeah, being loud um, in the hall. Um, I think the last big trip I did Japan and I did um, um, Cuba, where I thought I will just bring the uh, 5D Mark III and the 24 to 105, and no other lens. And I wanted to bring uh, a couple of uh, flashes, which are the speed lights. So you didn't want to bring your 70 to 200? Well, no, no, no. This is with the Cuba. This is, I'm just uh, going through the thinking. Okay, you know, thinking, the process right. out it. loud, Val. Yes. So, um, Usually Gina thinks in her head yeah. and I have to guess what she's thinking. Yeah, so I'm just going to think out loud okay. now, Val. So maybe you can do the, that more often. Yeah, well, maybe. So, <laughs> so um, but the, the problem is getting – so last time – so when we shot together in Sydney um, yes. a couple of weeks ago – Yes. I actually uh, split my kit and, and I have a Pelican hard case uh, that half of my camera gear goes under on the plane. So it's like a, a camera body, a couple of lenses and various paraphernalia and the other half goes with me on board, like split like the royal family. That's yes. how I do it. Okay. Um, but this time I didn't want to have that. I didn't think I would um, make it I, I would be over so when I do domestic travel I will buy extra like I'll have 50 kilos yeah you can't do that really internationally unless you, you pay big, yep. big bucks so I'd limited to um I had uh, one camera body one um and a spare like I had a um an entry level camera as well that I wanted to test some stuff out and I really wanted to bring my 70 to 200 this time mm -hmm. so I actually did so I've got my 24 to 105 yep. 70 to 200 yep. The 5D Mark III, which is my lightest SLR camera, and I've also got two pocket wizards, two uh, reflectors, a speed light, a um, softbox, the pole for the softbox, yes, and the tripod. I didn't get around to buying the travel tripod yet, so I've actually got my tripod. And the other hack that I did was um, I actually uh, put a lot of gear in a one big suitcase. I've, I've got the 30 kilo size big suitcase. Mm. So the softbox, the tripod, uh, the, the three outfits that I brought along <laughs> and um, all went into the suitcase. So I went without clothes for the sake of having a little bit more gear and then the camera gear or, and my, my laptop and a hard drive all came with me uh, above. On the, on the plane. On the carry-on. So, and, you know, possibly my carry-on, uh, confirm or deny that it's changed a little bit over. But, <laughs> you know, probably about right. If you're interested in the list, we'll put the list of all of the gear that Gina brought in the show notes. So... Oh, hang on. The other really cool thing, Val, was yep. the um, bag that it was all in is actually a roller, a combined roller and backpack. Oh, okay. okay so, it, which is really handy. So when you're going through the airport and things like that, it just rolls behind you because it can be heavy carrying that sort of stuff around. But then we were getting on and off boats mm. across the beach. You can't roll a bag like that. So mm -hmm. I could make it into a backpack and just put it on my shoulder and it was easy to ca carry on and off the um, Not only were we getting on and off boats, getting on and off some of these boats were, you had to walk the plank. It was literally No, no, a not plank. walk the plank, but vertical plank. Yeah, it was That's like a vertical plank. It wasn't a gentle incline, no, wasn't it? It was, it was unbelievable. And it narrow. It was like, you know, 80 degrees, this yeah, plank. Yeah. And they did have little ridges on yeah. it to uh, say that you could have some grip. And, you know, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> well, but but then it's scary, like, when you're trying to go down and you've got your whole life on your back. Like, yes. you all the cameras and everything and you're going down these, um, yeah, that was a... Uh, and I was responsible for carrying the tripod and the softbox. And I would just say, here, 
get them, just take them off me. I can't carry them down. He didn't want them to go in the water. <laughs> so, yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk through a little bit about um, exactly how to shoot in exotic locations, yes. obviously based on the trip here. Yep. And uh, we will put images in the show notes as well so you can see some of the things that we're referring to. Yep. But rule number one, now you're complaining about the air con here. It's cold, though. Just get the hoodie out. Anyway, um, the aircon is lovely in this in this hotel, but the thing is, when we get out there and it's time to shoot, Gina takes a camera out, and what happens? The cameras uh, got condensation. Yeah, all of the over difference because it. it's like very hot and humid outside. It's very cold in here, so every time we step but outside, they, no, it's freezing. Um, it, there's uh, about twenty minutes. There's someone at the door. Oh, look, there's someone at the door. So um, we're just going to pause right now. <laughs> this is something a bit different. Okay. And we're back. So we answered the door. It was housekeeping. Yeah. They wanted. They didn't have any chocolates for us. Well, every day I've, they said, do you need anything? Mm -hmm. And I said, chocolate, every mm -hmm. day. It's been the same thing. Do you think they'd have any for the nine days we've been here? No. no there's no chocolates. I know. I'm not, not happy. Good. Not happy. Not we, happy. But we have put the do not disturb yeah. sign on now. So hopefully they're not going to. Which perhaps we should have done yeah, before well, maybe. we start, well, that's what started professionals recording. would do, Val. <laughs> okay. So where, where are we starting, Gina? So what happens when uh, you take your camera outside from the humid location, your, your lens and your viewfinder are going to fog up. Now, the first trip that I ever made to Bali, I believe I was um, supposed to be shooting... Uh, a cover and a spread, and I hadn't experienced this before. And I rem no, it was actually with you in Singapore, Val, oh, the first yeah, time it right. happened. So mm. I pulled my camera out of the kit and ready to start going, and I couldn't see anything. It was mm. all fogged up, and I feel I freaked. Mm. I'm like, I've broken my camera. I've broken mm -hmm. my camera. But then if you just wait a while, it acclimates. Yes. So the, the first morning that I got into Cebu, I got up at 5 and mm. uh, went to... Uh, hopefully get a sunrise and I had to wait and I'm, so I've actually taken a photo uh, and it's put it in the show notes uh, so you can get an idea of what um, a shot looks like when the lens is all fogged up. It looks like fog. It looks like fog so this does not look like Cebu at all. In fact this looks like it could be um, Montauk or I don't know why I said Montauk I've never been to Montauk but I have been watching that television series Where's Montauk? The I've Affair. never heard of Montauk oh, oh I know that's a great show it's a great that's show that's a really good show I know but don't yeah. you think that looks yeah, like Montauk it does Montauk? it does it. That's, yeah. yes, yes. So, but it's not Cebu but that's obviously what it looks like it's Cebu looks like when there's fog it looks yeah. like Montauk yeah so uh, once the uh, fog had gone away, what I did is I actually got down very low. I wanted to do a pier shot. It was, um, it had just rained, Val, so the pier was wet. Mm. And I got down, I got the camera down very, very low, right next to, uh, almost on the ground. Looks like you were lying on the ground. I wasn't. I had the camera down low. But it, the closer you are to any puddles, uh, you're going to get reflections. Mm. So you've got reflections in the pier. It's not, it's not what you would expect from a shot of Cebu but I like that. I like to be able to show it off because, like, when you see Cebu, it's it's turquoise water, it's blue skies. That's right. Sexy, sexy clouds, Val. Here. Whereas this looks like a Stephen King novel. Yeah, it does. And, you know, it's my dark phase. Yes. I do like doing shots like this. But this is actually a combination of three exposures. So what I've done oh. is I've underexposed, I've done a normal exposure, and I've overexposed by two stops and then combined the three exposures in the Lightroom oh my. to get like a high dynamic range. Is so that what you've been doing all afternoon? No, <laughs> part of it. Really? Yeah. So, um, and it gives, uh, it gives a really gritty look and uh, I, I, I really like doing this. And so when I say underexpose and overexpose, change the shutter speed, not the f-stop, because if you change the f-stop, it's going to change the look of your shot and yes. it's not going to um, piece together as well. It's so going to affect the depth of field. And uh, we've talked about this before, about overexposing, underexposing when you do a shot. If you're not ready to embrace um, working in Lightroom yet and you are shooting raw, um, just whenever you find a great landscape that you love and you've got your tripod out, just 
do a do a, a, a shot that's um, a stop under mm. normal and a stop over and just put it away because once you start learning Lightroom and get the hang of it, you're going to love me for it. Okay. And you're going to be able to pull out these really great images. Great, great. All right, so we put all of these images in the show notes, remember, at which you'll find at ginamilitia.com. Now. So the next thing that happened, Val, mm. is um, there was this uh, – one of the reasons I'm here is because I had to photograph this really well-known speaker. Yeah, right. And she gets on stage and she does, she works her magic on stage. Uh -huh. So I was photographing her. And uh, funnily enough, she's got the same name as you, Val. Really? Yeah. yeah she's got yeah. the same clothes as me she's too. She's got the same clothes as you, gestures, speak. So I, was, I, I got to watch and I've not seen you speak for ages, Val. So that was really cool for me. So I got to watch and photograph you speaking on stage. So I just want to talk a little bit about that because um, just as an aside, we could probably do a whole show on corporate events That's as well. That's right. But I mean, so, mm, it does, it's not necessarily – this isn't necessarily about being in, a, in an exotic location, but it's um, what happened on our trip. Yeah, so the, the style that I chose to shoot you in, again, so I'm thinking about, you know, future uses for you of this shot and any speakers that I do – um, is I like to shoot sort of from behind the speaker, uh, probably about a 45-degree angle behind the speaker so that you can see their face, but you can also see the audience that they're speaking to and shoot. In, and where I would have in the past always shot vertically mm -hmm. for these images, um, I now shoot all these images as a horizontal because I know that the speaker, whoever I'm shooting, whether it's you or anyone else, can use that image uh, on their social media and then they've got this uh, empty or their space website. or their website to add quotes or testimonials or things like that. So they're coming very handy. So I shot with the – I used my 70 to 200 all the way at 200. I shot at 2.8. Background's gone to complete completely out of focus. Mm. So you've got space to put text and, and things like that. So it works very well. I hope you like the shot, Val. I do. I love it. Thank you so much for shooting it, Gina. And I think what Gina has done so right here is that often, because I do a lot of speaking and um, I often get to see the shots that other photographers take of me on stage and sometimes I cry <laughs> because the thing that all the things that Gina has done right is that she's made it clear that you are actually speaking in front of a group of people. Even though it's only a hint of the people in the audience, it's clear that there are people in the audience because sometimes photographers, especially, so just sort of take this, take note of this if you're doing this kind of photography for a speaker who wants shots for their you know, website or whatever. Sometimes photographers take these great front-on shots of the speaker, but you actually can't tell they're speaking in front of anybody. They could just be staging it. In your lounge room. Yeah, they could, be, it could be in the lounge room. Yeah, you could be in the lounge room. You could just be making it up. Or even if you are at an event, you could just be, you know, faking it kind of thing. When there's this hint of an audience in the background, you know that you're really on stage. So Gina's definitely included that hint of the audience in the background. She's also included um, in the background and it's it's blurry, but you can tell that they're pretty opulent chandeliers. Yes. So she's also giving you a hint that this isn't at your local pub or RSL club. Uh, yeah, or an RSL club. I don't know what the equivalent is in America, but um, it's not in a, a community hall. It's actually in a very fancy hotel, and it looks kind of a little bit lush. So it's those are these little little hints that really tell a story and that really make a difference in whether a, whether a speaker will choose that image to use or not. Because if it's just of someone speaking, really you could just do that anywhere. And I just think the, um, the side view rather than the front view, to just get around to the side, adding that depth uh, just makes it such a, a more expensive looking shot. I think. Yes. And I'm, I'm now refused to shoot anyone front on because it was something that I, I used to do a lot of. And I know that this sort of photography is a great step in to uh, lots and lots of other type of photography. So this might be, this was the first style of photography I did when I was starting out, Val. Mm. And this is what led then to um, doing editorial and, uh, yes. and then celebrity photography for me. So often it's like one of, your, one of the entry levels to all sorts of photography. So if you can start delivering stuff like this, it's just going to stand out. Because yeah. normally people just go front on. And the trouble with front on is that often when you're speaking at an event, there's massive logos and massive 
you know, signing. Which is not a bad thing. You should get that hero shot from the back of stage where you've got all the logos to give to the client. Yes, of but, course. But also make sure that you get this uh, sexier side view. I you think. get it, particularly if it's the client's logo. For yep. sure oh, you yeah. should get it. But if it's not the client's logo, then it's actually better to get this kind of shot. So speaking of sexy, Val. Yes. The thing about this place, Cebu, uh, more so than anywhere else in the world that I've been, mm-hmm. The clouds here, Val, are sexy. Really? I oh, my God, I kept going on and on no. and on. You just didn't weren't there with me, but they I are was. sexy here. I believe you. You think they're not the best in the world? I think that they're gorgeous. Is someone having a conversation just outside our door? That's okay. We'll ignore them. But what I want to do is do a tutorial, which we can put in the gold community, about what are sexy clouds and why are they so sexy and where do you use them? Because I do think that these are beautiful clouds, yeah, but I'd like sexy. to you know, unpack it a little bit at some right. point and define what sexy clouds are. Okay, but I think it's important. Um, th- this is what I do whenever I travel, whenever I'm anywhere and I look I'm, and I'm always looking up, I'm always noticing the light is when you see a background that looks amazing, clouds that are sexy because, not you know, you're not always getting the background that you want in a shot. Mm-hmm. So it's a good idea just to collect backgrounds Okay, because you can drop them into... Um, shots where maybe you couldn't, you expose for skin tone, the background went to white, then you can drop in another um, cloud shot. So it's a great idea. Like I did, I probably got about 30 good cloud backgrounds. Great. I'm very happy about that, Val. Mm -hmm. So collect sexy cloud shots when you're travelling. Fair enough. What else? So um, the other amazing uh, thing about photographing in Cebu is the light here is extraordinary. It's extraordinary and um, the way uh, the the light, it goes from very, very hard. I noticed that um, when I was shooting in the daytime, probably between from about 8 o'clock mm-hmm. till about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. it was contrasty light mm. but outside of those hours it's very soft in the afternoon you get something really magical that happens the light as it's setting mm-hmm. um gives out this it's, it's no wonder it's called the magic hour it gives this um soft um even beautiful lighting and uh i managed to get some uh shots that look like they were lit yes by a soft box yep and there's no soft box in sight so um so we, so we have a great image here of this beautiful, beautiful pier, and it's a pier that, um, it's a wooden pier, like made out of timber, and it's a pier that took us a bit of effort to find. We, uh, we had a false start. We went to one, and it was, it was a nice pier, but we couldn't get to it because we had to, uh, because the tide was out and we well, couldn't actually get well, to the pier. Well, and, the, and the sexy captain and his uh, mate just kept saying, like, like they docked about, oh, I don't know, a kilometre from mm-hmm. the pier and they just suggested that we walk, walk across with, with all their gear. Not happening. Across coral and coral. Um, they said it's not very deep in the water. But then one of the one of the guys, uh, the drone pilot, P- Peter got off mm-hmm. and um, the water was up to his yeah. So for you, yeah. he's about six foot tall, uh-huh. it would be like eventually you'd be drowning in that. And so exactly. we're thinking, well, how do we get the gear out there? And then not only that, you're walking across coral. Yes. And they're, they're, they're saying, put your slippers on, which is slipper is uh, Filipino for flip-flops. Yep. And, um, and you'll be fine, but I wasn't prepared to take that risk, so we tried to find another pier. And we eventually found it on another day, and it was well worth it because it's this pier that seems to go forever. And uh, Gina convinced the, um, uh, you know, her, her discovery to, to model Felipe. for her. Felipe. Felipe is his name. Yes. Yeah, and he modelled. And so I've got this shot where I've got the, the entire pier in there. It, the boat, his boat is next to it, and uh, because the, the sun is setting, it's quite low in the sky, it's very soft, it's lighting half his face, and the rest just falls off to shadow, mm. like I've lit it with, um, with a, like an octobox above his head, mm. like in a studio. You couldn't even get the light looking that sexy in a studio. That's mm. what made me so happy. And there's a nice warmth to it, and you get all the detail in the water, and you've got the pier. It's like... Happy days. Happy days. Happy days. So one of the things that we've also done is ventured out to 
you know, the markets and the villages and stuff like that. And um, I've managed to capture film of Gina bowling up to complete strangers who don't necessarily speak the language. And, uh, well, Gina doesn't speak the language, that is. And um, barely mastered English vowels. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> but she's managed to convince them to pose for these awesome shots and they look fantastic we met such a number of characters, characters didn't we what was this lady's name again leonita leonita shook it for us didn't she she was like yes. a dancer and uh probably in her maybe 60s yeah i would say so but she could dance couldn't she well she was yeah doing her best impression of she beyonce could twerk. she was twerking she twerked yeah i did a bit of twerking with her i don't i can't twerk <laughs> i shouldn't ever twerk again i don't think <laughs> Um, but um, I wonder if I've got that on film. I hope not. Um, the thing is, when you're in these situations, like a lot of um, photographers are afraid to set up the shot, but um, I do. I'm not going to leave, leave it to chance. I connect with the yeah. person that I'm photographing, have a conversation, uh, lots of gesturing, lots of laughing, lots of fun, and um, there was this whole exercise in coaching uh what was her name again? Leonita. Leonita in um, getting her to push her face forward. I oh, was so to good. Have, I didn't want to have her to have a double chin, so um, I was showing her, and she was mimicking me, mm. and all her friends in the background were just cackling with laughter. It was yep. so much fun. And then Leonita isn't even the fishmonger. She was selling mangoes, I think, but I had her holding fish because it just looked good for the shot, you know, <laughs> so it's completely set up. Um, and then in this instance, she had the umbrellas above her, which were shading her. So we've got garage lighting, and but the, the, the umbrellas were all sorts of different colours. So we had the grey card, this, and, uh, and, um, and, uh, and then it's, uh, we made it all work. So you may have heard the knock on the door, which happened despite the fact that the do not disturb sign <laughs> was, uh, was, was there. Uh, it was housekeeping again, yeah. delivering some fruit. Because so. he felt bad because he didn't have chocolate, so he okay. wanted to bring me fruit as, a, as an, you know, a token offering. Fair enough. But we're back now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the interruptions. Now, what, what have we got next, Gina? We've been speaking about Leonita, who yep. does not sell fish. She yep. sells mangoes, but yep. she looks like she sells fish, if we're in the image in the show notes. But we've also got this great image. I love oh, this image. Yeah. Love it. In the show notes of a man using a really old, and I'm talking oh. older than I've ever seen in my yep. life, yep. sort of um, like a singer sewing machine. Mm. And it's quite possibly one of the oldest sewing machines I've ever seen. Yep. And he is in like a, looks like a garage even, mm. um, but it's obviously, he's, he's like a tailor, it's his workshop, and it's really gritty, it's very grungy because it's just kind of like a tin shed. He's got some wire protecting, mesh. yeah, mesh protecting him what from... What that mesh you use, like, and I know this because of the Italian background, mm -hmm. the concreter in me, Val. You were a concreter? That, no, not that any of my family have ever concreted, <laughs> but, like, the, we've got a lot, we did a lot of concreting around our house. Oh, so okay. this is the mesh that they put into concrete to oh. reinforce it. Okay. And that's what he's got instead of windows in okay. his shop. So yes. that protects him. But that's what I was photographing him through. Yes. Okay, so that's there was a high so well. degree of difficulty because if I... Uh, focused on the mesh, he would be out of focus. Mm. But I managed to focus through the mesh, and it adds another layer in front. It's like Definitely. you know another version of maybe shooting someone through a glass window where yes. you've got reflections. So, and I really love this, and I'm going to do more of it because I'm just, like it made me really happy to have that deep, that something in the foreground. Mm. He is the middle ground, and mm. then there's uh, depth in the background behind him, and there's like all these little Fabric. visual cues that he is. Um, you know, sewing, but it's it's the grungiest uh, sewing room I've ever, ever seen. There's chains in front, mm. and it's the rusty chains. His sewing machine is actually rusty. Yeah, it's so you know, old. I've really never rustic. seen anything so And old. then he's um, concentrating on on what he's doing, which I got him to do by gesturing, and mm. that was a that's possibly one of my favourite shots from that day, Val. It was yeah, a really cool shot to get. Yeah, it's great. I love it. And again, set up, Val. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, set up. Well, he was in there. He was, I noticed he was actually there, but, the but, sewer. But but like he would have if if I had let it go, mangoes. he was going to just smile at me. Oh yeah, sure. You know, but I kept saying no, please, just keep sewing. Look down, yes. don't look at me. So it looked like more fly on the wall kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah.
So we headed out on the boat a few times and uh, what I wanted to do is kind of get some um, open water shots mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I've got uh, one of the guys on, on the boat and I got the most beautiful starburst. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm very happy with that and, and the degree of difficulty in this shot is very high because I am lying down on the boat, mm -hmm. um, the sun is in my eyes, I mm. cannot see to focus to save myself. The other thing is um, I do like to shoot autofocus, but when it's that backlit, it's really hard to um, get a, 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 to get it sharp because the mm. camera is constantly... Doesn't know what it's looking at. It gets confused. It's looking for contrast. So, mm. And the boat is bouncing. Yes. But I'm so surprised neither of us got seasick. Yeah, though, right you I know. Get, do you get seasick? Sometimes. I get really seasick and the, the would we do two or three trips out? But yeah. We, I, not once. No, we didn't. And we even could. we were having burgers one day out on the water <laughs> fell and mm -hmm. I, I, ne I never got seasick. So um, this was really hard, but, but but I managed to get it. And, and because the, uh, the, the, the light, the sun was starting to, there's a moment where when the sun's quite high in the sky, you get a really clean, good, sharp um, starburst. Mm -hmm. But I notice that as it starts to get closer to the horizon, yep. you get more haze and you're not getting that. that. So oh. there, there is a timing thing that the lower the sun gets, you're not going to get that starburst. So you've got to sort of time it. Um, Talk us through how you get the starburst, Gina. So the starburst is all about the like using a, a wide angle lens mm -hmm. and uh, depending on the uh, the style and make of the lens is uh, how, how many blades uh, are on the actual, the, the, the aperture of, mm -hmm. of the lens, you're going to get how many um, spikes, I guess. Uh, what, what are the things of the star? The what are they called? Rays? Yeah, aren't what? they rays? What's the stay? Okay. The bits that stick yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. <laughs> will affect how many. So the different makes will give you different rays. And so you shoot as uh, small an aperture as possible. So somewhere between, um, some go up to 32, uh, 22, 16 will give you a good starburst. So, mm -hmm. um, and and uh, yeah, that's how I did it. The, the, and, and another thing that I try and do, if, if, if I can aim the uh, sun to be um, partially behind, like part, if it's a person that I'm putting the starburst behind, hit coming off their shoulder. Mm. If it's a building, the edge of a building, because that's going to uh, make it uh, a lot uh, a lot easier to capture the starburst because mm. you're not getting all that light uh, flooding in. The other thing I had to get someone to do while I was I was lying down very low, um, like on lying down on the boat, mm -hmm. right on the uh, whatever the front. You you told me what the, the front bow? is. The bow, the bow, is it the is bow? bow? The bow, uh, the front part of the boat. Mm -hmm. um, and sorry, apologies to any sailors out there. Yes. <laughs> um, so the sun is going right into my lens, so I'm going to yes. get a lot of flare. So I actually had someone um, shade part of my lens mm -hmm. so that I could get this shot and get that perfect silhouette. And this. I'm very proud to say, Val, mm -hmm. is no, nothing. This is straight out of the camera. This is completely wow. as a raw file, spat out, like raw file, so basically, just converted to JPEG without anything, nothing, nothing has been done to this. So this basically there's a, there's a guy holding kind of a really long stick standing right on the bow, like it's a pointy boat and he's standing right on the bow and so it's just his silhouette because he's backlit and the sun is right behind him just above his left shoulder and because Gina's shot at a very, very teeny aperture, it is a gorgeous starburst just over his left shoulder and it just looks brilliant, this, this shot, absolutely brilliant. So what else? What else? So um, the next shot is, um, so we had, um, we were out in the open water and we were, this was the day that we were heading out to the pier that we didn't find it, but mm -hmm. we had, um, I, I, the, the light was uh, extraordinary and what I wanted to do is I wanted to underexpose my shot and actually use flash. But I wanted to, it, it can't be that complicated when you're out on the point. Can you describe how how pointy the the pointy front bit of the boat was? It's yeah. like a very narrow area that we're working So the point is really with. pointy and at the <clears> very tip of it where this person is sitting is only probably a foot, you know, 30 centimetres wide. So you're literally perched on the, the end of a boat and it's almost like a little plank before it gets to the main part of the boat. 
So very, very narrow. So I've got uh, Felipe, the ship's captain, is right out at the very end, you know, like yep. in uh, Leonardo in, is it in Titanic, where yes. he's right at the end of the, um, Except end of the world. Except this boat is but, much, but, much but smaller. But it's not. The Titanic was like, you know, minuscule, very narrow, narrow, narrow. <sighs> and he's sitting out there, and I had my speed light on a um, – on a, a pole, mm-hmm. and I had um, uh, Alvin, yes, holding, assisting us, a, who was assisting us, and Nelly was also second assistant that day. Yes, um, and they were both scared of water, mm-hmm. afraid of water, mm-hmm. and uh, didn't want to go in. So we, we didn't had, know that. We didn't know that till after the fact. So we had Nelly holding on to the what's the bit bit in the middle of the boat where the sail goes on to what's the mast. That? The mast. Nelly's holding on to the mast. Mm-hmm. That's where she's anchored to that. Then she's gripping uh, onto Alvin's, not not his belt. We said grab his belt, but she grabbed his undies instead, <laughs> didn't she? And gave him full wedgie, <laughs> right, as he is holding the the speed light mm-hmm. above the um, Captain. the captain's face. All the while, I'm looking straight into the sun, lying mm. down in the boat. The boat's bobbing up and down, mm. and I can't see a thing. Mm. And so I'm directing this whole shoot, directing um, the captain as well, who absolutely nailed the look. Oh, he, this is Zoolander. This is the like, Filipino it, Zoolander. Nailed it. And such a beautiful and interesting um, old soul kind of a face. Mm. I mean, he's not your traditional model. No. But he, he, there's something about his face his that eyes. is just beautiful. So. High, high, high degree of difficulty. Yeah. But this um, this system of um, lighting with flash is uh, is one of my favourites when I travel because it's like it's you can do it on the run, Val. You you don't need the big softbox. You can't carry the big softbox around. You certainly can't do it when you're out in open seas. Mm. So this was sort of the ideal uh, situation. And the drones flying overhead, we got some great drone yep. footage of this happening as well. So. Um, Possibly one of my favourite shots of the whole yeah as well of the whole trip as well. It's <laughs> like uh, I, the the last shots that I d- uh, have done are usually my favourites because it's like yeah they're new and exciting to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now we've got this awesome shot, um, also taken around as the sun was setting. The sun hasn't quite set yet. It's still, but it's on its way, and it's um. Of the open seas, there's nothing to be seen for most of the... I mean, there's no life except for open seas to be seen for most of the shot, except to the left you can see a very old rickety, what I think is a lighthouse, but... I thought it was a lighthouse. I'm, I thought it was I'm not a sure. Yeah, some kind of structure, some kind of building that could serve as a lighthouse. And also Jean has captured a starburst in this as well, presumably by using a very small aperture. And so this is the location that I nearly got us arrested in. Yes, that was really, really useful, Gina. Yeah. It's okay, but it was worth it. Look at the shot. (laughs) Yeah. But don't try this at home. No, I mentioned this on Facebook Live, but Gina had me follow her into a construction site and I just followed and, you know, helped out and whatever until a guy started yelling at us, get out of there, get out of there. In Well, we think it was get out of there. He was gesturing wildly uh, and we... I, we got out of there, although Gina took her time getting out of there. I hightailed it out of there. And as I hightailed it out of there, I saw that the area that Gina led us into had massive big sign in big red letters, do not enter. But, of course, <laughs> Gina makes us enter. And uh, But, yes, you got the shot and it's pretty brilliant. And we'll put that in the show notes yep. as well. I mean, Now, we shot a lot of other stuff Um uh, while we've been here, we shot a lot of tutorials for the gold community. We shot some of the upcoming course on how to get off um, auto and onto manual mode forever. And we shot a lot of just interesting other shots, didn't yeah, we, of yeah, various yeah, people. Yeah. And um, we, this, we just don't have the time to go through every single one because there's just so many. But we, no doubt you will see them in uh, upcoming episodes yes. or upcoming courses or upcoming tutorials. Um, uh, but th- we're kind of towards the tail end of our trip, aren't we, Gina? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. What's, um, how are we going to, like, it's going to be weird, like, you know, not sweating profusely every day and shooting. Oh, it's <laughs> very hot. When you stand in the sun for more than five minutes, it's mm. just like, and I know that this is how I know how hot it is. 
when I feel hot <laughs> outside, <laughs> I turn around and I say, you guys all must be boiling because I don't feel the heat. It's like right now, as soon as we finish recording, mm. I'm going to go and sit outside mm-hmm. just to warm up, okay. whereas you will stay in the air con. Yeah, That's your sure. preferred thing. So um, it's cool. So it's like um, I'm, I'm re- really excited because I can't wait to get back in front of my um, – my big screens yeah. and uh, just uh, organise all my files and, uh, you know, get get them all sorted into categories. And So uh, what happens? Do, do you sort every night? Because you have been sort of I have been sorting. Night. Yeah, I do because there's backup, you know, I've got to make sure they're backed up twice and then when I get back to the mothership, they're backed up again. I put some in the cloud for safekeeping as well. So it's all of that um, sort of security to make sure. And then there's also the just like housekeeping along the way. If I've um, promised someone a photo mm. uh, that I've photographed, I make sure that they get that before I leave. I don't want to be um, worrying about that when I get back because otherwise it gets forgotten. And if someone has gone out of their way to um, allow you to photograph them, I think you should make sure that you give them the photos. It's just a nice thing to do. And you never know where that might lead you. You just never know. So we've done a lot of that this trip. So, um, and I love, I actually love seeing people who are doing selfies of themselves and then offering to take their photo. It makes me really happy. Well, that happened here, didn't yeah, it, Tina? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, it's, it's really cool to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. We hope you've um, enjoyed it. Tell us what you're doing in the coming week when you get back to Melbourne. So I've got like a day or two, like a, a day to sort of, you know, get myself unpacked. And then it's, uh, back. I've got a, a big shoot on the Friday as soon as I get back. What and, kind of uh, shoot? It's a, an event that I shoot. And I might, um, I might try and film some of that as well. Yeah. Um, just so people can get an idea of events and, and so we can maybe get a tutorial out of that. And then I've got a massive um, TV shoot, like a huge shoot, which will involve um, photographing people on set but then creating um, composites and, and moving different cast members Is around. Is that because they're not all available at the same time? They are all available at the same time, but we just find it easier to actually shoot. I like to shoot them in group because we can't get – it's hard timing-wise mm. to, to, to build up when you've got that big a cast to get it all, everyone on set. And it just – I find it a bit squishy, especially because it's a, like I'm not on a big site. I'm bringing my portable like it's three metres across – it's not big enough, and I find mm. that, that the shots feel really crowded. So I've started for, for ages. I've just been doing, like, um, maybe three people on set at a time. And then I can I can do so much more with it, Val, because I can split up the shots, uh, move people around, get them in the right position, and and the shot feels has a lot more space. So what you're saying is that, that it's, a, it's a cast of maybe nine people, yes. but it's too squishy to put all yes. nine and shoot them all at once because yes. their eyes might be closed yes. and all that sort of stuff. So you shoot, a, you shoot a group of three, then you shoot a group yes. of three, then you shoot another group of three, and then you put them together in post-production. Yeah, and sometimes I might shoot everyone individually and then I can move them around and I know I've nailed the shot with that person, I've got the shot with that person, and what I do is I just work through a whole scenario, like I'll get them hands in pockets, hands up, you know, hands by their side, all different options mm. so that we can do so much more with the sugar. But time is so limited yep. with cast members each day. You've just got to work that way. It just makes things easier. Okay. All right. Well, this brings us to the end of our episode for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, just remember to sign up to Gina's newsletter at ginamilitia.com. And also, where can we find you online, Gina? So Apart um, from ginamilitia.com. Uh, at Gina Militia on Twitter, at Gina Militia on Instagram. You'll find me in the Facebook group and, uh, you know, I'm in the uh, community every day as well. The gold community. Yes. Yeah, and you'll find me at Valerie Koo on Twitter and um, easy to find on Facebook. Just search for Valerie Koo or find me in the po- uh, podcast community. Snapchat. I'm also on Instagram at Valerie Koo and sometimes on Snapchat, the Valerie Koo. So I'm on Snapchat at Gina Militia, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't worked out Gina how to Gina hasn't use it yet, figured out But how I'll to get it. it. I'll get it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.